FYI, Mother's Day is less than a week away. So if you haven't gotten that gift for your mother, your wife, or that special someone, you might need to get on the ball. In honor of Mother's Day, we talked to a young lady this week who balances hunting, motherhood, and nursing in these unprecedented times of that damn COVID-19. The Bryantland Show starts as soon as they hit my music. Stone Mountain, Georgia. This is the Bryant Land Show, hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right, now everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bryant Land Show. As always, thank you for taking the time to make the download, to make the listen. We have a guest today in honor of Mother's Day coming up this weekend, but Before I get into that, I've gotten a little behind in shouting out this one person who has been going in and commenting on a lot of the podcasts. And anytime you guys comment, you know, leave a uh, leave a comment or, you know, leave a question or just reach out to me. I'm appreciative. I wish it happened a little bit more. But it is what it is. You know, I know you guys are listening, and I appreciate that. So Woodsman5150 has been showing up a lot on my Podbean. Podbean is the uh, company that I use to host the podcast. And he's left several comments, several likes, very encouraging messages. You know, he's enjoying the content. He's made it a point to let me know to keep churning out these podcasts for y'all. So I just wanted to take the time and let Woodsman5150 know that I see you. I see your comments. I appreciate it. Please continue to tell the people about this show and the greatness that is The Bryantland Show. Now, sometime last week, I made a post because I wanted to get some ideas for Mother's Day gifts to share with you guys, especially hunting-themed Mother's Day gifts. And quite frankly, I didn't get the response that I was hoping for. And if you are a regular listener to this show, then you should look at your other fellow listeners and smack them on the head for not responding. If you're new to this show, audience and listener participation is greatly appreciated. But I made a post looking for some ideas for, like I said, a hunting theme Mother's Day gift so I could share with y'all. My mother's not a hunter, uh, so I'm still struggling to try to figure out what I'm going to get her for Mother's Day. So I was doing this more so for you guys to kind of stir up ideas and stuff. And like I said, it didn't quite go like I wanted to, to, but I did get a really good gift suggestion from the Decolonized Meat Eater on Instagram. And he says his mom asked for a purple pistol. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't get any more you know, motherly than a nice pistol, the color purple for his mom. So decolonize me, Dieter, if you're listening, I hope you pick up that purple pistol, maybe even get it engraved and give your mother a very nice, a very exquisite, if you will, gift. As for my guest this week, it is Miss Bianca Jane. Her humble hunt, as she is known on her blogs and Instagram. Bianca was on the show last year, episode six, when we were still the Bryantland Country Podcast. She came and visited with me, and now I bought her back because I wanted to just talk to her, catch up with her. She's had some great adventures since we last spoke. Uh, As I mentioned in the intro, she is a nurse during the time 
of this COVID-19 foolishness. And she's got to balance not only her career, but motherhood and get time out to go on some really kick-ass hunts. So we sit down, we chop it up for a little bit. We talk about all of that. And what I'm going to do now is just pull myself back, fall back out of the way and let you guys listen to my conversation with Miss Bianca Jane. Brightland. All right. Welcome back to the Bryantland show. Everyone's favorite hunting hillbilly, Bianca Jane. How are you, ma'am? <laughs> I am doing well. I can't complain. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. I, the last time that we talked, I distinctly remember, you're like, I'm just a hillbilly from North Georgia that loves to hunt. <laughs> so, Still the same. Same is true. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and I will never forget that. So, <laughs> But welcome back. How have you been? Oh, thanks for having me again. Uh, I've been great. great. Um, the past year since we talked last has been uh, it's been a roller coaster, lots of adventures and lots of good times. Uh, I can't complain. Nice, nice. So, before we get into the adventures and the things that you've knocked off since the last time we talked, because you you got a couple that have piqued my interest. Uh, how's things been going, balancing everything? You know, like first of all, I know you're a nurse. So, you know, I know you out there going to work every day, fighting, you know, all this coronavirus stuff that's disrupted everybody's lives from hunting to just everyday life. Uh, how has that been and are you maintaining okay? Like if you had to kind of like stop and take a breath or like what what's that been like? Uh, I can definitely say it has uh, affected my life in the most uh, dramatic ways possible. Uh, as a single mom of two with uh, COVID, school being out, for one, I've had my kids home. You know, they canceled schools. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to have a family that supports me so I could go to work and work the hours that are needed of me as a nurse. Um, so I'm thankful to say that as far as I know, my area has been cleared. We've been uh, very proactive in keeping everybody safe. And my kids have been safe. My community has been safe. Uh, we were hit with tornadoes here a couple weeks back. That was a scary event. Uh, we made it through that. That's doing well. Um, it, it's it's one of those things where when you uh, you get in, you said, no, I want to be a nurse. You know, you knew you were going to be um, exposed to things, but I guess you never really expect something like this. Uh, you know, it's possible, but then there it is. So right. as far as hunting goes, uh, I had a, an out of state, two out of state hunts to Mississippi and then to Louisiana. Unfortunately, both of those hunts had to be canceled um, related to coronavirus and for a good reason. It's understandable. Um, just trying to look towards the next big thing for the year and that's going to be bow fishing. Yeah. And see, that's the, that was the thing too, because I was supposed to go to Texas uh, to hunt turkeys and that kind of, well, it, no, kind of, it just went by the wayside very quickly. Um, and we we tried to figure out ways to do it, but it was just, you know, it wasn't, wasn't going to be safe. And then especially when they started banning people or having like mandatory, uh, was it mandatory uh, quarantine from the time that you land. So it, it just didn't work out. So, but like you said, yeah, it, it it's was, definitely uh, for the best. It was, uh, it was pretty early on when, when this happened and it, it was a, a thought of, I have to be able to get back home uh, right. to my kids and everything. So yeah, it had to take a back seat, but you know, you know, I, I live to hunt. So there's always next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, so Damn you know, right. year, I hadn't taken a bird, but for the safety of my family and everybody else involved in the community that hunts, it was for the best. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right, well, let's get past all of that stuff. Again, thank you, obviously, you being in the chosen field. But let's talk about some good stuff. Let's talk about hunting. You had a Osceola hunt since the last time I talked to you down in Florida. And if memory serves me correct, you took that bird with a bow, right? I did. Um, it was my second, my second turkey by bow. Um, of course, it was one of the ones I needed to work towards my NWTF Grand Slam. 
it was a full out public land hunt with a female that worked at the check station. She went all in for me and was like, Hey, you know, if you want to work for it, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> and she got me um, tags and everything to come down. We were there for, I think it was five or six days. Uh, it's a really good story because I, I started off with a shotgun. I always take my bow everywhere. Right. Um, and this was territory I'd never experienced. So, you know, she, she was very, and this, this is the female, that's Rochelle. I took her to Canada in return for her, her awesome work with me, um, in the fall. But it was, it was a public land hunt all out. And I ended up dropping that bird the last day that oh. I was there. Wow. 11th hour, 23rd hour, very last day, huh? Yeah, it seems to be my thing when I'm out of state turkey hunting. The same thing happened in Oklahoma. Um, I just remember her looking at me, and she, oh, throughout the hunt, she was like, you know, you got to do what makes you feel comfortable, because I was in a different terrain hunting a bird that was, um, in my experience, it was just it was just a different type of hunt for this subspecies. And she said, are you comfortable? What makes you feel comfortable? And I'm like, well, I feel more comfortable with a bow. Mm. And uh, sure enough, I, that last day, I said, you know what, it's it's all or nothing. And it was her also that we were talking and, and, uh, she said, you know, where would you shoot this bird at? And I told her and, and then she, and her input said, you know, the best way to shoot a, a turkey with a bow is from the front of the back. And I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> sure enough, you know, she's right. You know, and we actually ended up calling in some deer when, uh, I learned a lot from this hunt and, and, and various things. So she was awesome. It was very exciting. Uh, I don't know if I, it was just one of those shots that makes you go, whoa. <laughs> how, how far was it? I was about 20, 23 yards. No, 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 17. Last okay. I looked, it was about 17 yards. We put a stop on this, this group. Um, and we knew we're, we'd been watching them for the, for a few days and I just couldn't never get in on a shot, but they kept traveling the same path. Mm-hmm. Um, she taught me that, you know, in recent ash uh burnouts that turkeys love ash huh. and um so she was like they love to go in there and that kind of they dust and clean with it okay so we had been hard on that area i'd put a stalk in the day before and couldn't get in and so this time i was i was i was it was a chance and i went around to cut them off and they walked right through and i just came up with that quick shot <laughs> and it just it happened so quickly it was like whoa <laughs> wow no so no blind and nothing just straight spot and stalk using the uh your brush or whatever in florida for cover exactly um the previous days we had been building natural bronze which had been awesome um but this time like i said it was like okay well everything else i've been doing doesn't seem to be getting it done so i really just it was a hard it was a spot and stalk Man, nice, nice. Now, did I see correctly, like, did you, your daughter didn't go with you on that hunt. You guys went on another hunt together? Because I saw the pictures where y'all were, like, all face-painted down and together and everything, and she <laughs> she looked so precious. Was that that hunt as no. well, or? No, that was um, that was back home. Um, I pre- in previous year, I had access to land with turkeys. Um, and I had taken her out on that, on that trip, but no, I did not take her to Florida on this one. No, that was when I was like, I'm, if I get ate by a gator or bit by a snake, I want it to just be me. <laughs> and there are plenty of snakes and gators. Fair, fair enough. I was about to say, like, when you maneuvering around in Florida, especially that time, during that time of the year, I mean, everything has to be out. Like, I'm pretty sure you got to be a head on a swivel. Uh, down there Absolutely. for that time of year it was it was uh which you know <laughs> people ask me how how does some of these things come together for me and i always say because i i, I honestly don't feel like i know any better at times but i'm just <laughs> like let's do this let's let's go like you know i don't even realize the dangers in some aspects and feel i'm already cleared and i'm like whoo i'm glad that worked out right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i didn't know um with with that area i I wasn't taking her to, on that trip. That was a home a home trip that she definitely earned. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now the um the bow fishing that's something a lot of people don't really know 
about the bow fishing. Obviously, it's one of those things, like, if you know, you know, but it's still not something that's, like, heavily, like, mainstream. How did you get into bow fishing? And obviously, you're going to go back again uh, as soon as you get the chance. But how did you get into bow fishing? Um, It was something that when I haphazardly and just wandered into bow hunting, that through like looking online, I was like, oh my gosh, are they shooting fish with a bow? <laughs> and and the more people that came to um me in the in the outdoors community, I realized, wow, this is something that's really happening. I had no idea either. Uh and I had a couple friends that had taken me out. Uh my first my first big trip was when I went down to Florida. Uh I was stingray shooting with Fish Hunter Enterprise and uh, Mama Cookie, she was like, hey, get on the boat. Why are you wearing shoes? <laughs> Whoa. Like, I don't know. Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> or or maybe because you're shooting stingrays with a bow? Like, that yeah, might... <laughs> yeah, but it, it was totally... It was a different... That was my first big one. I went down there and shot with them. Kind of fun out. Um, stingrays, when we shoot them, they're not as easy as people think they are. Because you, you can't shoot them anywhere or they'll come off the barb. You got to shoot them down the center. Oh, wow. And um, when we bring them in, we cut their barbs off and release them. Uh, you can actually, it's very difficult to kill a stingray. You, they have a brain about the size of a quarter. And so unless you hit that, they're going to live. They're going to just go on about their life. They're mostly wow. um, cartilage. So so no no organs or vitals or anything like that. You, you got to hit them in the head. Uh, if you want to kill them, like, well, you know, we're not really trying to kill them. We're actually doing the community a favor by cutting those barbs off. Okay. The bar- um, the barbs being the stingers that are on their yes, tail. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can always tell when one's been shot before. But if not, yeah, we we we, we bring them in, cut the barb off, and it's a catch and a release, basically. So then, like, I got into that, and then I came across, uh, you know, I live in Georgia. And out in Alabama, and I was like, I really, I was, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting, a different angle when you love to shoot a bow because you get to shoot a bow a lot. (laughs) You might miss a lot, but then I got hooked up with um, Fatal Impact out in Alabama. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's exciting when you're out there till two, three in the morning, the big fish start coming out about 12. And, uh, you, you know, you hear, you hear big fish and everybody is just like on edge. (laughs) Wow! it's a real team effort too when you shoot a big fish you've got to get backup shots in or it's going to run off and you got to have a good captain that doesn't um well how would i put it that doesn't overrun the boat right so it really is kind of a big team effort and again i wrote a blog post about bow fishing for beginners and it we are again cleaning the waters we can only shoot non-game species and the china the chinese carp there yep. is some species, um, spotted gar. These some of the you know some of these fish don't belong in the water here. So we're literally cleaning house for our native fish, which makes it great. Because it's kind of like you said, though, um, they're basically considered nuisance fish, kind of like how you would hunt like coyotes and stuff like that. Um, you yeah, just want to get even, rid of so. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. Now the thing that I saw about bow fishing, I think you just mentioned it as well is it's a little bit different than your traditional like bow hunting where it's like you I don't think you're using sights and then your aim is a little bit different and like you said there's a there are a lot of opportunities though oh absolutely um that's a big story that's a, a funny story about I always call it that bow bruise you ain't you ain't <laughs> shot enough and you ain't earned that bow bruise I got my first one compound bow hunting and I learned how to hold my bow right right <laughs> got an even worse one when I started bow fishing. The difference in a in a compound bow and a bow fishing bow um, is you have an infinite draw then uh, on the bow fishing bow, mm-hmm. which is like that. So you can make those quick shots without even going to full draw. Oh, okay. But at That's the same a... time, because there's no back wall, right? Until you get enough experience, you if you see a fish and you keep holding your instinct, you keep drawing. So, and then you overdraw, and then you know what's going to happen to that string when it comes loose. Right. It's going to hit your arm. And so, uh, I actually have um, my own personal bow fishing bow. It actually has a back wall. 
Okay. But I shoot um, an infinite draw as well. I, I got the first bow because I was like, man, I'm tired of my arm being like hamburger meat. <laughs> but, you know, you get so excited. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. And for, you know, for those uh, that don't know what she's saying, when you whenever you draw a bow, like there's the back wall, we call it the back wall, there's a stopping point. So, like, if your draw length is, you know, 28 inches or whatever, once you reach the back, it, or once you reach that length, it stops. So it's called a back wall. But like, if you're drawing a bow fishing bow, like you're saying, you can just keep going forever. And then if you don't hold it right, that string burn. Basically, when you release it, that string will eat up your forearm. I I learned the hard way as well. <laughs> when I first started shooting my bow, I had all kinds of bruises from string bow or uh, string burn. And then I finally I got a cover that goes on my forearm. Mostly, I use it now just to keep my coat or my jacket off when I'm uh, hunting in the winter to kind of keep oh, it yeah. like compact. But when right. I first got it, it was to protect me because I just didn't know what That's I was a great doing. Idea, actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it does. Because, you know, especially like when it does get cold down here and you have to wear like a, you know, like a bulky sweatshirt or a bulky like jacket, that little compression sleeve or cover, it, you know, shrinks that forearm. So you have less of a chance of your, arm hitting that string or whatever and causing your shot to deflect so that what you just said is a as another story about me hunting in pa this past year that right there but you you hit it i'm glad thank you brian for (laughs) clarifying on that back wall you know because as if you read anything in my blog and the way i write you know i i was uh i didn't know anything about anything i just started picking things up as i went and just it's good to you know break it down what does that mean because i want everybody to be doing what i'm doing this is my life yeah, no, and, uh, and it's funny because I was looking at your, I was looking at your um, bow fishing um, blog, and then I saw the pictures, and I was like, "Oh, they're in Alabama!" <laughs> and when I saw they're in Alabama, I was like, "Oh, this summer, I definitely gonna have to get out there." Um, oh yeah, yeah, and That's try what's it. Coming up um, this this week, uh, Cole Coltis owns Fatal Impact. Mm-hmm. Austin Duty takes kids families you you know he's he's a great he's a very safe guy um i mean him won our first tournament together last year he literally brought i'm not even kidding you i had i had he got me to shooting better he's great at teaching people um and i kept when you're bow fishing you know you get really excited when you see this fish and you just want to shoot but in my if you read my blog i talk about how when you're looking at this fish and you know you got to remember water refraction mm. and so basically in in, from the side view it probably looks like i'm aiming two maybe even three feet below where that fish looks like it's in the water and um that's something that you learn um the more you shoot another thing is like keeping your grips tight um on your arrow knock up all these things are things that you learn and um that's why i love focusing out there with uh that guy because he's he's taught me a lot and he calls me up one night and he goes uh we doing this weekend and i was like i don't know depends on what you do <laughs> what you got to say man and uh he said you know there's a a boat fishing tournament which they do boat fishing tournaments throughout the the spawn season in the summer and here i am again this hill from north georgia that i can shoot i can bow fish but you know i'm still getting my big swing on he's like you want to come fish this tournament with me and i was like me i remember this dude he's 21 22 he shoots bow hunts without a sight. That's how good he is. Like oh, he's wow. straight up. He is one of the best. Um, been his they own an archery shop. His dad's a bow hunter. Mom's bow hunter. Wow. So I'm standing next to this guy like, I just want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he calls me. He's like, let's go fish this tournament. And, and it was just me and him. When we got to the tournament, uh, it was called the bucket the bucket of death. They literally pulled like four to six species out of a hat. And you had till like two o'clock in the morning to go after as have as many as you could and hope you had the biggest weight in that species. And if you may not even find that species, mm. then you got to be back for weigh-in. Um, come to find out, we were bow fishing a- against like twelve to sixteen other boats, which was still a small tournament. A lot of people didn't show out because of what was going on at the time. Right. But uh, you know, we're talking Muzzy AMS sponsored boats here, and I was like, okay, well, we're just going to have a great, he's very, he's like, we're just going to have a great night, just see how it goes, you know, I want to get you out here. 
Well, I'll tell you right now, kind of find out he he didn't he wasn't he he was saving the best for last. We ended up getting one of the only uh, uh, grass carps, which was a very uh, hard species to find, a very large grass carp at that. And so we ended up winning the tournament against that. Most of these boats had like five to six shooters on the boat. We're talking. It was just me and this and him. <laughs> wow. But I'm telling you, like, that's how, that's what bow fishing does for you. It gets you, like, I'm so excited to be out there. And, you know, the more you go, the more exciting it is. It's something that you don't have to have a boat to actually do. You can go and bank shoot. That's why I tell people, you know, you don't have to have a fancy boat. You don't have to, you don't have to go with a guide. Yeah. Go somewhere that the water's clear in certain, off certain rivers. And you can, people shoot all the time. You just got to get out there and try. Well, now let me ask you this, because, like, in baseball, they have, you know, like the home run derby, and that's like a free-for-all. You just keep swinging and swinging. And I've heard some hitters say that they have a different swing or they end up modifying their swing for the home run derby. And then when they go back to the regular season, it kind of takes them a while to readjust or it messes up their swing. Is that kind of – have you noticed that or have you had that happen to you when you go bow fishing because it's completely different – than everything that we've learned as bow hunters as far as like, you know, having sights and with the back wall and your form and all that stuff. Have you noticed there an adjustment when you go between the two or no? Um, I can say that if you if you followed me online and you've seen some of the ways that my my backyard shooting and things, I first started using a compound bow and shooting with a quick shot. I call it a quick shot a five second shot drops my, my slang term. And so I, I, again, everybody's different. And, and that's something I, I love to tell people is whatever works for you, works for you. Whatever is your shots, your shot for me, I'm ADHD and I like to kill things. And so, you know, I, as soon as I see, I got some really great advice from a guy one time. He said, listen, as soon as you see your pin hit and your balance lean, let it fly, send it. Yeah. Why hold? Send it. Because as soon as you see it and you hold, you're going to start second guessing yourself. Right. And so I started, you know, bow hunting on that premises that just send it as soon as you, as soon as it's there. And so for me, it, it kind of worked out um, because you never know. You could be cruising down the water and, you know, just chilling, you know, music playing, you're having a good time. You, you're, you're ready. You're leaned over. You got your bow. And all of a sudden, this big fish comes out from under the boat or shoots across in front of you, and you got to be ready um, and just ascend it. Where sometimes you can see them coming, and you're like, oh, big fish, you're right here. It's still it's still resting. And we roll up on it and just drop that, you know, drop the arrow. Mm-hmm. And so, but I can imagine if, if more people are used to doing a long hold, that it could be um, a mix-up. And I do hear that from people, that if they go back and forth, um, but I think it's a great skill to be able to do both, honestly. Definitely. You never know in a tree stand or in a blonde. You don't know. Mother Nature's going to be Mother Nature. You could have just a few seconds to me- let that arrow go, or you could go to full draw and see it because some, something's it's stepped out in front of something. You know, there's a lot of different things. So I think bow fishing and bow hunting coinciding makes for a better bow hunter. Hmm. Mm, no, that's a good, that's a good point and a good way, good way to look at it. Because I was just kind of curious um, about it, like going back and forth. But no, bow fishing is definitely it's um, a must. Yeah, I think anybody, it, even if you don't bow hunt, you got to try bow fishing at least once. I I think you. I was already pretty. I was like ninety percent sure that I was going to try to 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 do a bow fishing trip with the kids over the summer. Um, yeah, you. Well, just, you know where to come. You can come. You, on. On Alabama. <laughs> I was about to say you you pushed it over the the other ten percent. Like I said, I pretty much had my mind made up, but yeah, now I'm definitely yeah, gonna sure, have to sure. have to get the kids down there. Now let me ask you this though, because you were I know you were talking about like with the stingrays, like how you kind of shoot for catch and release. Where are you shooting on those uh carps and gars and stuff? Is it uh different spots like are you aiming for headshots vitals or what what are you just trying to hit it enough to get it out of the water like what how's that work well um one thing another if you ever see me i always let people laugh if you ever see me some of my pictures i'm holding these spotted gar like little pets because yes you are i have noticed that (laughs) 
against spotted gar and i'll tell you why and this is a story i like to tell people because at one time i would have never i when it, when you when you're bow fishing you you kind of got to preserve yourself you can't be shooting too much usually a bow shut, sets about 20 30 pounds but you can sling an arrow a couple hundred times on a good knot and so and then generally what happens sometimes is as soon as you release you make a shot and you don't stick it, you got to reel in and reset. And then, oh my gosh, you're there, you dismissed a bigger fish that was sitting there mm. reeling in like a shot after a smaller fish. So I had to get over this fear of, well, I'm not as good at bow fishing. So I'm not going to try to sling an arrow at a spotted gar because they're harder. But then all of a sudden, you know, after bow fishing with Cole, he was like, no, then just, just let's reset here. Aim small, miss small. Mm. do better mm-hmm. and um this, you, you, these fish you can hit them anywhere um but that's something i guess i tell people you know shoot as often as you can at whatever you can because it's going to make you better but these fish right here uh i have some videos where you can see where it don't matter where you shoot them at we're gonna when i know that cole actually takes his the fish that we bring out at night mm-hmm. he goes he donates them to a turtle farm um And so it actually feeds, you know, the turtles at a farm right nearby. But other than oh. that, anybody else that bow fishes, they usually, it's a law. You have to get away from the um, drop-in area, and they just go back out in the water dead. We stat, we'd usually, if it's a big fish, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know what it's called, but it's this thing that has a handle and a big old jagged, like, nail on the end of it. And that's what we'll stick a fish with and drag it in the boat after we've shot it and reeled it in. Right. So these fish are going to die. I mean, you want to get them in the spawn just because the way the bow fishing arrow is, the barb goes both ways. So if they are strong enough and you don't have enough arrows in it, they'll pull off. Right. You'll leave the fish. Right. Um, but honestly, you can shoot them anywhere. You don't want to, you know, anywhere because you want them dead. We want them dead. We want them out of the water. Right. We want to get that big fish. But unlike stingrays, Um, they got bottle organs everywhere. So I always say if you're gonna bow fish, wear clothes that you don't mind getting nasty. Right, because you get all the, the <laughs> slime and all the other stuff from in water and all kind of stuff. No, it, it it sounds like a really good time. You you got well, me excited. I, I tell people, I say if you ever sneeze in your hand, imagine that down to your elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's bow fishing. But I mean it's it's something you don't even notice till the end of the night. You're like, eh, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, you don't really care. It's it's exciting. It keeps you on your toes. You ever stayed up till three or four o'clock in the morning doing anything else and done it well? Oh yeah, definitely. When when you start bow fishing, you know I I couldn't stay up that late for much of anything. <laughs> But buddy, I, I literally um, when I landed in the U.S. after going to Canada on my moose and mule deer hunt, I've been there for ten days. My plane landed. My best friend picked me up. And drove me three hours to Alabama. I jumped on the boat with Cole um, and a couple of my friends and both fished till four o'clock in the morning. Wow. <laughs> wow. With like no sleep because it's just that exciting. Boat fishing gets you pumped up. It's something I think everybody should try, whether you're an archer or not. It's easy. It, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's something that people can quickly acquire in skill. Right. Right. Now, wait a minute. So, you know, you said you came back from. Canada from the moose and the uh, and the mule deer hunt. Now this this is what the second or third trip to Canada because you had a trip where you were successful with the bear, and I've seen the bear hunt pictures. So was this a second trip with the moose, the the moose and the mule deer? Yes, yes. So um, I was there. This is my second trip to Canada. My first trip, like you said, was on my first uh, Canadian black bear. I'm waiting on that rug. To, it's coming home maybe next month. I think I'm excited. Oh, um, nice. But this this round, I went up um, BRCO hunts, Battle River Cree Outdoors. Uh, saw that I'd been in Canada before. They're a great family. They're a First Nation family. I said, hey, you know, you want to come up and hunt? And I was like, <laughs> are you asking me this question or are you just telling me when to come? <laughs> so, um, the, a moose and a mule deer were offered. Um, I was there. I dropped my moose. My third day after passing, I think I passed on six bull moose. We saw moose from the first five minutes. Um, and then two days later, I dropped my mule deer. 
and um, both of which were just exciting things in my life. I, I could have, you know, I would have never imagined that I would have killed a moose at this point in my outdoors life. Wow. Uh, I'm literally eating those uh, uh, moose ribeye steaks tonight for dinner. <laughs> there you go. They're great. Um, so that was an awesome trip. I planned to go back to Canada this year in the fall. But I was, it was 10 days. I took Rochelle with me, um, the female that I had t- took me to Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she'd never been hunting anywhere else but Florida. Um, actually only shot off iron sights. And I was like, you know, I really appreciate you going hard in the paint with me. Because she wasn't hunting. She was my guide, basically, on the land that she worked. And so it was such a, a memorable trip. I mean, I left there with new family. Um, my, my my moose paddles and uh, mule deer antlers are sitting on my fireplace waiting to go to the taxidermist. He's already working on my hides. And it was just, it, 2019 was a very exciting year for me. Wow. Like, I, I can't even imagine. Like, a mule, mule deer is still on my list um i talked to uh, a gentleman the other day a uh, guy um who is uh hosts the uh, western contours uh podcast and he's got mm-hmm. me all jazzed up for elk so i think if i can get if i can get past like getting a uh a, i want a nice texas deer i don't for that's like what i'm fixated on right now it's like I, texas or whitetail whitetail like i want a nice whitetail Texas whitetail. Then after that, um, the elk and the mule deer are on like my list of things that I want <laughs> to kind of start. Yeah, you know? like I, I'm branching out. Like moose, moose hasn't really captivated me yet. I was looking at some um, Saskatchewan whitetail hunts. Uh, but... Oh yeah, that's what that's where I've been on my hunting is in Saskatchewan, and there was some oh. Um, this outfitter actually has uh, one of the record whitetails in that area that was taken down. Um, they're huge. That's, and, uh, and that's what's got me intrigued. But I have spent time in Canada, not Western Canada, but I've spent time in Canada. And every time I went to Canada, it was cold. And <laughs> you got to go early season. I literally <laughs> was on a flight home when the snow came down. And I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, ooh, like every time we used to go to Toronto, like it, even the one time that I went in August, like around my birthday, it was still cold. Like, so. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I went um, September 19th. And so I literally was one of the first people that they had down. I think deer meat for dinner came before me. And um, uh, one other person, and then it was me, because I was like, listen, me and Snow, I live in the South for a reason. <laughs> right. And, I- and literally the next day after my slot landed, they were down by like 30, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. It was like, whoop, that's my sign. Yeah. I went home with what I needed. <laughs> it's, it's time to get out of there. But that that is still remarkable. I, I, think, I think hunting in Canada is something that everybody, if you if, you know, people ask me, how how and it's like well i've made sacrifices in my life to make certain trips and right. i don't get everything for free i have to pay for these things and um i feel like if you can save to go to the beach if you're really about that hunt life you'll save to make these trips and you know I, it's something i'll never regret i thought i was gonna lose my job like i said on that bear hunt <laughs> <laughs> i was willing to do it i was like all right deuces y'all <laughs> thankfully i came home and i saw a job but i feel like the canadian lifestyle the amount of game that's up there and just that experience is something that you'll never forget. Yeah. No, it, it's funny because I tell people all the time, you know, I travel for a living. So social travel is really not my thing. Like you're not going, (laughs) you're not going to get me out on a beach or like this destination, like, you know, resorts or whatever. But if you, if you say hunting trip, Man, I'm all Bingo. I'm all in. Like we gonna go to hunt something. Uh, you can count me in for that. Now your moose and the uh, um, mule deer were those both? No, actually, that those were. I took those the two seventy standing, no brace on the Ooh. fly. Ooh. No, it, it was. Um, I have videos of it. It was. It was pretty intense. I remember my, my outfitter looking at me and going. I thought you were more of a bow hunter. <laughs> Listen, where there's a wheel, there's a way. And um, they were both with, like I said, 270. We put in a three-hour stalk on that bull moose. Um, it was pretty intense. I didn't know where he was going to come up over the ridge. My God said, you know, you feel comfortable with this? And I was like, let's do it. And um, they were just starting to rut. 
and so you know calling them could scare them or make them come and that that moose dude he stood up and then made us wait like 20 minutes before he was he was deciding whether he was coming or going and um wow. when, he, when we, he got called in i'm 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 crouched down on the ground my, my god's like stay down i'm gonna call him <clears throat> keep calling him in and um sure enough i mean he came over we, he he could have came over that ridge on us because it dipped into a valley uh uh-huh. one of the few valleys because the joke out there is the land's so flat you can see your dog run away for three days <laughs> um but then there's little nooks where things just disappear and i was very fortunate um the shot landed i mean it was a perfect shot he dropped where i shot him at and it was exciting uh canada uh canada's got my heart man how far so about how far was was the shot oh that's even better so he was when we first ranged him in the field he asked me if i wanted to take the shot it was like 270 yards i was like i was like nah mm -mm. this is where i'm more of a bow hunter let's and you know the risk was do you want to try this shot or do you want to take a chance of calling him and uh, we took a chance of calling him in he came over the ridge at about 70 yards and I had about, he stopped for, in the video, you can see he came over the ridge. And as soon as he cleared and I saw paddles, I, I came off my knee and just floop. Wow. And it, kind of, he, it was awesome. It was, to, I could hear the bullet impact actually. That's how close we were. Um, you know, and even, even at that, in those moments, I don't even realize how close I was, how far I was. All I knew was I, you know, came up on my scope saw it again send it don't second guess it <laughs> and um and then i put my uh, you know flip my safety on and looked and i was like oh my gosh i got him like, <laughs> you know it's just so exciting i, I literally um but, you know i posted a video a short clip of that shot and everything you can tell on my on my body language and everything that it was even still i was like oh man this just happened <laughs> I mean, I would have, I would have loved to have been skilled enough to take a two hundred seventy yard shot, but at the end of the day, I just want to come home with moose meat. Right. And so... and you get, you gotta, you gotta take the shot that you're that you're comfortable with. So there's no shame in that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Whatever you're comfortable with, just go for it. And then the mule, the the mule deer, that was the same trip. You said that was the same trip, right? Yeah, yeah. So he did a package hunt with me. Um, and so I, we passed many mule deer up because I was out for, for, for moose first. I wanted to, if I had to go home without anything, it would have been the mule deer. I came for a moose okay, for sure. And, um, I learned on that trip that mule deer hop. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I had no idea. And so like, wait a minute. They do what now? They hop like bunny rabbits. Oh. <laughs> and so, like, when you're looking down your your bonos, you can tell a whattail from a, a mule deer when they'll be grazing together because, for one, when they see you, that mule deer is still like, huh? Mm. What? And then it, and then that whattail's like, phew! Right. It's gone. <laughs> it's still running, and you're already in bed, and that thing is still gone. But, you know, a, a whattail trots, you know, it runs. Yep. A mule deer, literally, they hop. They hop like bunny rabbits. That's how they run. And it was, it's, I was like, what the? <laughs> and I, again, I just didn't know any better. I had no idea. So my first mule deer I saw, I was laughing. I was like, are you kidding me? Is this thing broke? <laughs> it's like, no. And I'll tell you one thing about mule deer hunting. Um, once a mule deer sees you, it's going to hop off. But you, if you just wait, it's going to stop give you a broadside and look at you. Oh, wow. Every one of them. And, and, you know, if you're ready for that shot, it's there. They, every one of them seemed to do that. And then, you know, my outfitter was like, yeah, that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll take off. And then they're like, should I still be running? And, and they'll, they'll stop, turn and look at, look back. Well, that white tail's still gone. <laughs> and so, wow. Those are some fun things that I learned while I was up there. Um, regarding the, the the mule deer versus the whitetail. You know, they're both deer, but they're very different. How does the mule deer taste? Because I've heard different different uh, opinions on mule deer meat and uh, compared to whitetail. I'd say that mule deer um, is not as delicate. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit more gamey. It's a little tougher. 
Um, and that's just from my experience. You know, there's various reasons why that meat could have been different. You know, the way it's killed, butchered, whatever. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still a, it's it's still some good eating. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll tell you that moose meat, it's like eating filet mignon every cut. I've heard that. I've heard I that. I could not believe how tender um every cut was has been. And so I I brought home meat, um, had it butchered up there, had it packed out and here I was going to the airport with a uh, a whole moose cape paddles, a whole mule deer cape antlers, and this big old thing of meat, plus Jesus. my hunting gear and everything. So. Your 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 um your baggage fees had to be out of this world. Oh, uh, they were about five hundred dollars by the time it weighed out. Jesus, Delta. But, you know that's by weight. Yeah, yeah, Delta. God. And um. You know, there's nothing you can do about it because right. you know. Like, but at you, the end of the day, it's worth it. You know. Of course, like you, you, you probably spend more to ship it, and of course, leaving it is not an option. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, um, <laughs> some of the some of the outfitters will let you actually, because um, I was fortunate to have killed mine ahead of time before I was leaving, so it got to get deep deep froze. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, that's something I always, in regards to traveling and hunting, you got to be prepared for these, um, kind of fees, you know, butcher fees. If you're going to have it butchered, um, you know, your going fees are going to be way less than you're coming back, regardless if you ship it home or if you, you know, check it. So right. I'll take what's, what's funny. Anytime I've went to Saskatchewan now, I get on a plane, all you see is camo. <laughs> 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 Everybody going to Saskatchewan that time of the year is going to hunt, whether it's duck hunting, deer hunting. You know, it, it, so it's a good time. You have a lot of people to talk to, and everybody's excited. So it just—it's a feel-good environment. Wow, man, that—that that is amazing. Those those are some amazing adventures. Now, let me—I want to backtrack just a little bit. You had mentioned when I mentioned the string burn, uh, Pennsylvania. What happened in Pennsylvania? Okay, so when I came, I came back from Canada. Uh, then I went bow fishing and then two weeks later I spent Halloween in Pennsylvania um, hunting with my good friends Romano Outdoors and uh, Alex Romano. They had me up. I'd never been hunting in the north for Whitetail. Mm. And man, I'm telling you, when there were deer everywhere, there were deer everywhere. Yep. Um, it was a great, <laughs> it was a great trip. Uh, and so it was my first um, going back. I've killed more birds with a bow then I have successfully retrieved deer. <laughs> uh, my first my first deer that I shot with a bow, I was unfortunate to not recover it. And so this trip, I actually shot my first buck by bow uh, that I recovered. I didn't have to leave empty-handed. It was my longest shot that I'd ever extended to. Um, and that, that's something that I was even more happy about. Uh, just, just being comfortable to just, just take it, take the shot. How far was that? It was like a 32, 35 yard. Okay. Yeah. But I was up in a tree stand at about 30, you know, 35 feet. Jesus. And then to be that, it was dust. So I tell people I have astigmatism, which does affect me when I'm hunting, unfortunately. Right. And so it was extremely windy. I almost fell out of my tree stand coming down after the shot because my hands and things are so froze over. Uh, it was, it, snow was dropping and, you know, the wind was hitting me. My eyes were watering. Uh, it was definitely one of those Hail Mary shots. Wow. <laughs> Harry came, I'd been, I'd been fooling with this deer for about an hour and he came in. I couldn't get a shot. Came in again. I didn't feel comfortable with the angle. And that third time, I mean, light, there was barely, it was still legal light, but it was like that, that crescent where it was like, man. And I, I sent it. <laughs> I did. And um, I remember, I knew I hit him. I was shooting my first mechanical broadhead, which is something that I'm pretty proud of because I hadn't felt comfortable enough with my draw weight and my oh, yeah, and yeah. several things to be shooting a mechanical. And this, again, I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. Right. And um, my, I remember my hunting buddy, Alex, he, was, he wasn't too far away from me. And I texted him saying, I just sent it. And I know I hit. And, um, you know, he he's like, I know, it's under my tree stand. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so that was like a big, that was very exciting. Um, the, the owner of Romano Outdoors, he has twins. They were so excited. The things I came back, I'm like trying to open the door. And I couldn't even like move my hands enough to open the door. They had to let me in. I was so frozen. 
And um, they were like, let's go get your deer. <laughs> we want to track the deer. And they were so, they made that trip so, so awesome. Um, and we tracked, you know, there it was. I pulled it out that night. And so that was, it wasn't, you know, it was about the experience being that high, dealing with that light, that kind of cold compared to Georgia and taking a shot at that length, you know, it kind of builds your confidence and you're just like, okay, you can do this. Right. It, but I can tell you, like, that's one of the things that I'm going to miss about spending time in Wisconsin. Um, the first three deer I killed were in Wisconsin. And the very first one, it was just like you. Like, we were up in a tree stand. We weren't that. We weren't up that high. But, like, it was, like, 20 degrees, snow on the ground. And my whole thing was is I wanted to kill a deer in the snow because I want, you know, the blood trail that whole night. <laughs> Yeah. And we, man, we sat out there. Like, we went out early. We sat till probably about, like, 11, came down, and then went back up there and then stayed up there till, like, 4. I think I ended up killing that deer Ooh. at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon because the sun sunset was, like, 4.30 or whatever. So it was, like, almost last light. We've been sitting out there all day. I am frozen solid so by the time i get ready to draw back on this deer and like and and he follows the script and stops like right in the spot um where we thought he would stop and i shoot and i think it's the perfect shot when i look back at it i shot that deer square in the ass because i was cold <laughs> i was freezing <laughs> oh my God, i was not ready <laughs> i did <laughs> It was broadside, and I thought, you know, I got, like, lungs or, um, you know, in the heart. You know, like, I'm getting ready to make this perfect, like, 17-yard shot, and I was so cold. Like I said, I shot that deer right in the ham, in the ham. <laughs> and lucky for me, I hit that, it hit uh, one of those main arteries, because as soon as I shot oh, him, yeah. he bled out. Like, it, there was right. no question about it. Like, he, he had one good hop, like, one good dash. Damn. And then he stopped and fell over, and he was just gushing out. And then we got down, and I followed it followed it up with another shot. You had but, good blood in the snow, huh? Oh, yeah. I had all all of my blood in the snow and whatnot. But the second buck I killed uh, was a little bit better. It was still, it was in the snow, but it was a perfect uh, shot, like double lung, nice blood trail and everything. But, yeah, that first one, man, when I tell you frozen solid, like we were in a like you say in the tree stand and i'm you know thinking i'm prepared with all my layers and stuff and by the time after you know sitting that whole day and you stand up and you go to draw back it's a different ball game but it, i'm gonna miss um that's the biggest thing that i'll miss about living part-time in the midwest is hunting because i did all my goose hunting up there and then deer hunting in Wisconsin. I mean, like you said, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. And the abundance of animals you see, like you see these deer down here that we hunt. And don't get me wrong, we got some nice sized deer, you know, bucks and does and stuff. But when you start talking about northeast or midwest, like winterized animals, and they have to pack on all that fat and those thick coats. Oh, yeah, they get big. Yeah, those deer are huge. Right. So, yeah. And um, that's one thing I like I talked about. Um uh, you know, that's funny. You said you, you hit it square in the ass. I actually, this is something that, you know, I'll be writing about soon actually is, is traveling and bow hunting because I miss a shot on a, we call him Hulk. I'm literally just text Alex about this deer today. Uh, I missed a shot on this massive 10 pointer um, before my, my kill shot. And that was it me specifically. No, but was it, my fault that it happened absolutely because when i traveled with my bow instead of being mindful of checking your equipment i didn't and mm. come to find out after um after i missed that shot i mean i flipped out i was like there's no way i missed that shot like that like what what and kind of find out paul romano romano outdoors he put it he took my boat out of the shop and said your side got knocked loose yeah. Because of traveling. And it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, but it's a learning curve. It's one of those things that's like, if, if you miss it, people miss, then you're going to miss. Right. But the kind of, the way I missed this deer was exceptionally like just incredible. 
And I was beating myself up about it. And he said, let me see your bow. And he took it down there. And again, that's what, you know, I should, I, as the person who this is basically what I do other than work, I should have known better than to go in the field with my equipment without having it checked first. I mean, so that's something I I wrote about. I talked about it, you know, because I want people to realize that, you know, like we've talked before. Yeah. I've had some great successes, but I've had a lot of failures and those failures are things that, that make you feel real, that make you feel like, okay, I'm just a normal person trying to to live and do better and, you know, to tell people, hey, you know, I messed up, messed up so bad that I missed a 10-pointer and a shorter distance and I slammed the last one that I actually killed, you know, so it makes you go, so it makes you feel humble about yeah. life. No, it, you know. it definitely does. Like, I, I'm very, like, squeamish about, traveling with my bow like even most of the trips i've been on you know they are drive so they it's in the case it's in the back so it's not getting knocked around too much but even when i was going back and forth to wisconsin you know i would take my bow with me because i'm like if i got downtime then i'm gonna spend it shooting and you know you what i did what i ended up doing is putting um taking a sharpie and drawing like a line where my sight is so like the perfect spot yeah where it is i drew a line um so if it slides to the left or the right i can tell if it's off of that you know spot a little bit and every time now when i travel like if i travel on the plane or something like that or even you know when we go hunting and stuff and then you slurping through the woods and whatnot and if you knock a limb or you know a branch or something you know you kind of just look to make sure okay i didn't knock something out of place but no i'm with you on that like that's the thing that aggravates me to no end is like with bows they're very very finicky like if you do any kind of tinkering or knocking or moving yeah you can you can blow them you know out of the water so and you know i got you know i was fortunate to be around somebody that had a bow shop in their house but you know, right. that, that if, if you don't have that option, that is a good idea to, to try the Sharpie thing. And, you know, because it, there's no point in even bringing that bow out if it ain't on. Right. If you right. If it's off even just a little bit, like you said, you saw, you know, you overshot him and then you got it corrected and then you were able to, you know, oh, make yeah, a good shot the next one. Orders. It was like, <laughs> what? And, you know, it, it hurts. It does. Like talking about it makes me be like, my gosh. But at the end of the day, you know, there's things like that that make you better. No doubt. Well, For sure. Bianca, I like I said, I'm not going to keep you long. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come back by. Before you leave, though, please tell everybody about your blog. Um, I've read your blog on several occasions. I think you do great work with that, with the way that you write and your writing style. Um, I'm always checking out your videos and stuff on Instagram. So let people know where they can find all of your stuff. Okay. So, um, yes, you can find me on Instagram uh, at herhumble underscore hunt, also uh, known as Bianca Jane. Uh, you can find the link in my bio to my website, It's which is herhumblehuntoutdoors.com. You can find me on Facebook, Her Humble Hunt. Um, everything ties into... I, I like to, I love to write. My blog is based on beginners for beginners. Um, if you're new to, to my, my stuff, uh, I didn't grow up hunting. So you'll find a lot of beginners tips, how to's, and you can laugh with me on some of my mess ups and enjoy some successes that I've had through the, through the development. Um, and you know, as always, feel free to send me a message. Uh, let me know how you, how things are going and, you know, wish me luck as I continue to hunt with, whatever information I have and just give it my best shot. Awesome. Thank you again. Hopefully once all this is uh, over with, we can link up at a show or something like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Brightland. One more time. I want to say thank you to her humble hunt, Miss Bianca Jane for taking the time on her day off to come through and bless us with her presence here on the Bryantland Show. Thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. Before I get ready to get up out of here, I just want to remind y'all, bryantlandcountry.com is the website, bryantlandcountry.com. 
We have podcasts. We have videos. We got merch. Everything Bryantland that you need is on that website. Make sure you go check it out, bryantlandcountry.com. We also have a Patreon now. You can donate to the Bryantland Show through our Patreon And in exchange for your donation of a paper nickel, you will get all kinds of Bryantland bonus content. So make sure you go check that out, patreon.com forward slash Bryantland, or you can just click on the Patreon link on our website, bryantlandcountry.com. Hit us up on Instagram, at official Bryantland. Hope you guys have a great week. Got great Mother's Day gifts for those special someones. Ladies, I hope you received great Mother's Day gifts and come back next week and join us for another episode of the Bryantland Show.